discuss three tips to make the perfect hero call. Most people are bad at hero calling. They hero call somewhat randomly. They hero call in poor scenarios. But today I'm going to give you three very important tips that if you run through these three things, every single time you're considering making a hero call, you're going to be far more likely to be correct. And being correct is good. Look at that. The program's working. We see someone from YouTube, Twitch, and X. Should we start calling it X yet, or is it still Twitter? What do you all think? Do you think it's Twitter, or do you think it's X? It's going to take me a very long time to start calling it X. But hey, you got to make the change at some point, you know? If you're going to call it X, you're going to call it X. I'm going to call it Twitter. Louis Fleep's here. Good morning. Right after the show, if you're a poker coaching member. I have a, po a training site, pokercoaching.com. Um, you have a webinar with me. I'm going to be going through some sort of homework question. I don't even know what it is. I'm going to have to look it up. Before we get started, I have a new book full of tips like this called 100 Essential Tips to Master No Limit Hold'em. Full of tips, very similar to what you're going to find in this webinar today, but way more advanced using game theory, optimal strategies, exploitative strategies, etc. It's one of the best-selling books on Amazon right now in the poker section. If you've already got this book, do me a favor. Go leave a review or at least give it a rating. I would appreciate that infinitely. That helps everybody else know that you like my work. 100 Essential Tips to Master No Limit Hold'em. Someone found a typo in it the other day. And instead of saying, hey, maybe there's a typo, they said, John Little's an idiot. Typos happen. Such is life. You can't read. Luckily for you, I read it for you. I have an audiobook. I learned a long time ago that it's important to go where people are. Give people what they need in whatever format they need. If people can't read, read it to them. If they like audiobooks, give them audiobooks. If they like Kindle books, give them Kindle books. If they like videos, give them videos. Do whatever they want. Go where people go. So many people think that you're supposed to come to me. Some of you like bright and early 9 a.m. morning shows. So, hey, here I am. Bright and early 9 a.m. morning shows. Everyone's a critic, LOL. Indeed. All right, let's get to it. Three Tips to make a perfect hero call. First things first, when you are hero calling, you have a bluff catcher. Bluff catchers beat all the bluffs and lose to all the value hands. A lot of people get what a bluff catcher is very wrong. They think the second nuts is a bluff catcher. No, 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 no. If your opponents are going to be value betting some worse hands, you just have a very good call for the most part. Now, if your opponent will not be value betting worse hands, then even a very strong hand can be a quote-unquote bluff catcher. But bluff catchers do not beat value hands. So if you're in a spot where you have top pair, top kicker, and you think your opponent's going to bet top pair, third kicker, and better, and you think top pair, second kicker, and top pair, third kicker make up a reasonable chunk of their range, you have a very easy call. That is not a bluff catcher because you beat some hands that will value bet. If you beat all bluffs and value hands then you just have a call. Also, bluff catches, bluff catchers. I turned off spell check because I was tired of the red line. <laughs> bluff catchers do not lose to some bluffs. If you have queen high and your opponent may be bluffing with king high or ace high, that's not a bluff catcher because now you will lose to their value hands and some of their bluffs. And that's a disaster. I remember one time before I learned this concept, I had, uh, what I have? I think I had like ace, king, high on the river. 
and my opponent bluffed in a spot with like pocket fives, which is probably just a reasonable play looking back at it. But I, I called it off for like tons of money in a spot where lots of draws missed. And I thought, all right, easy call. Call with ace high. Guy shows me pocket fives and I lost. It's like, oh my God, what just happened? <laughs> that was in Jacksonville. I remember, remember it vividly. So anyway, bluff catchers do not lose to some bluffs. So if your opponent's going to bluff with like king high and worse, ace high is a pretty good bluff catcher. If your opponent's going to bluff with like pocket fives and worse, well, then ace-king is a much worse bluff catcher. It could still be a bluff catcher if your opponent has plenty of bluffs or perhaps not nearly enough value bets, but it is not the ideal bluff catcher, right? Also, bluff catchers are going to vary based on the specific scenario you're in and your opponent's tendencies, right? For example, if your opponent's literally only going to value bet the nuts on the river, and somehow, some way, you know that, which you maybe do, maybe you don't. Well, then the second nuts is just a bluff catcher. Normally, the second nuts is very good. It's not a bluff catcher. It's just a good hand. But if your opponent's only going to value bet the nuts, then that's that. Um, if your opponent's going to value bet way too thinly. Let's say your opponent is someone who just like always bets when check to with middle pair and better. And you have top middle pair, top kicker, or a pocket pair, above middle pair. That's maybe a norm, normally a bluff catcher. But in this scenario, it's... Just a nice value hand and an easy call, right? So you have to be very careful with the idea that I'm going to say that this type of hand is always a bluff catcher on this board. Now, certainly you can say this type of hand is a bluff catcher in GTO world, right? Because quite often GTO strategies, when they bet the flop and the turn and the river or the flop and the river or whatever, uh, GTO strategies are going to be very polarized. So like top pair, middle pair, et cetera, those are all somewhat bluff catchers. But a lot of players are not going to play anywhere near GTO. And, you know, that's that. Kevin says, you want to thank Coach Little. Well, you're very welcome. You have the best training site here. I agree. Believe it or not, I subscribe to many poker training sites, and I know what works and I know what doesn't work. And I've taken a lot of what works and put it into my site, and I've got rid of a lot of what doesn't work. So I give you what you need. Listening to my voice is like a shot of espresso. It's better than being a shot of whiskey and makes you fall asleep. So anyway, that's what a bluff catcher is. Now we know what a bluff catcher is. Three things. Three very important things that are going to help you determine if you should bluff catch or not. You all see the bluff catch I made against uh, Alex Foxen whenever I won this tournament. I won this tournament the other day. Look at how cute that is. Do I have a full screen here? Look at this. Isn't this so cute? Hi. Poker Go Tour. Champion. I won this trophy. I bluff catched against Alex Foxen with... Uh, Bottom pair, I think it was. I think I had four, two on queen, three, two, three, seven, or something like that. Check, check, flop. Check, check, turn. Check. He 1.5x pots river. Great. Oh, no, it was queen, queen, four, three, queen, four, three, three, seven, or something like that. Queen, four, three, three, seven. Check, 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 check. Check river. 1.5x pot. Pretty good spot to bluff catch. Why? Because... Point number one here. Does the opponent bluff adequately? Easy call. He showed me the nuts, and I lost. But I do not care, because I think it was a good bluff. Where is the big cup? Believe it or not, I won two tournaments so far this year, and I won one in December. I've won three tournaments in the last three months. That's lucky. Um, I had to leave two of the trophies in Las Vegas. I got this other giant one up top. You see that big red thing up there? That's from the Stormax Invitational. That was a nice, 
nice gift I got. Didn't even know I was going to play the tournament, and then I won. So uh, the other ones would not fit in my backpack, so I left them in Las Vegas. I might be getting a little place in Las Vegas. I'm, I've been there a lot recently. It's just a math problem. I think I spend like 25k on hotel expenses each year in Las Vegas, give or take. Maybe more this year because I'm, I plan on playing all the series. I'm currently number three on the Poker Go Tour leaderboard. Getting to play the year finale is worth like 50,000 bucks or something, I think. So should probably try to get that. Um, so I'm going to be in Vegas more. So I'm probably going to get a place there. Might as well have a trophy or two. Did you ever turn a bluff catcher into a bluff? Sometimes. That's not that's beyond the scope of the discussion today, but typically your best hands to raise the river with block your opponent's auto calls. So if you have a bluff catcher that also blocks hands your opponents will always call with, that becomes a pretty good hand to bluff with. That's usually going to be stuff like bottom pair or middle pair because bottom pair and middle pair block your opponent's two pairs and sets. We're not talking about that though. If you want to learn about that, check out pokercoaching.com. We have a tournament and cash game masterclass where we discuss that concept thoroughly. How did it feel to win the Poker Go Cup? It felt great. It was actually kind of surreal because um, I was not expecting it at all. <laughs> um, going into the last $25,000 buying event, I knew I had to win the tournament to get the cup. And it's hard to win the cup. And we were down to, I think, for 13 people, I had eights on the bubble. And my opponent had Queen Jack. The crazy hand. Under the gun limped. I raised like four big blinds with eights on the bubble. He covered me by a little bit, but he was loose and passive. Big blind, cold called with like 10 big blinds only. So he has a good hand. Under the gun called comes queen jack three or something like that. Check, check, check. Turn was an eight. Check, first guy bets, I call, other guy calls off all in. Or maybe a guy went all in, other guy called, I called. River was another queen. Under the, oh no, under the gun then, no, did it go check, check, check? No, it went check, bet, small, call, call. I don't know how the hand went. It was a wild hand. Anyway, I remember on the river, river was a queen. First guy bet, all in. Second guy raised to 350K. I had 500K total. I had full house. I had eights on queen, jack, eight, three, queen. And I decided to just call because, you know, I don't think I'm losing here ever, but if I jam and get called, yeah, I still probably have the best hand, but keeping that 150K on the river with like six big blinds on the bubble is very important, like super important. So I called. Guy showed me the queen jack for the better full house. So I was like, I'm like, okay, I lose. <laughs> managed to get in the money, managed to win every hand. Got to the final table with a short stack. I played actually pretty tight. I'm going to be reviewing these hands in a course on poker coaching coming up in the near future. And there were spots where like very first hand, button raise, I had ace eight with 20 something big blinds in the small blind. I just folded. I thought it was close and it turns out it was close, but it is a fold. An orbit later, I had 10 nine suited, same spot. Button raised, I fold. Turns out, it's a fold. Past Jonathan Little would have just ripped it right in on that first hand. It would have lost to um, pocket tens. I would have been out. Instead, I've been studying a lot. I've been studying with Justin Saliba. Justin Saliba is one of the best poker players in the world, in my opinion. I'm very fortunate to have taught him when he was a young poker player for many years. Now he teaches me. He was at that final table with me, which was a lot of fun. He took third place. I was hoping we get heads up. But such is life. And uh, we, we talk about that. You know, John, you, you bluff it off a little bit too much. You jam a little bit too much. Because in the past, people used to fold a little bit too much. Now they don't. How do you survive day one of a tournament? Don't worry about surviving. Worry about thriving. Anyway, I won the tournament. That's good. Okay. 
Does the opponent bluff adequately? Does Alex Foxen bluff adequately? Yes, he might bluff too often. Okay, many, and I will say right here, very importantly, can I circle and highlight this? Many people, can I highlight? Is that a thing? Look at that. Ah, many people. <laughs> Fun with PowerPoint, am I right? Many players, perhaps most players, do not bluff often enough. So what happens here? If someone bluffs too infrequently on the river and they value bet all the logical value bets, like you know, good hands, like most people do, they have too few bluffs. If they will not bluff often enough, all bluff catchers become unprofitable to call. Remember what a bluff catcher is? Very importantly, bluff catchers beat all bluffs and lose to all value hands. If they will not bluff adequately on the river, all bluff catchers become folds. A lot of people don't recognize this. They think you should call a little bit less often if your opponent bluffs a little bit too infrequently. But if they bluff too infrequently, every single bluff catcher should be folded. This is why I see a lot of good players. Check, call, flop, check, call, turn, check, fold, river with bluff catchers because they think a lot of players will bluff the flop adequately, bluff the turn adequately with a lot of draws, then get to the river and not bluff adequately. Because most people don't bluff adequately. If you study GTO strategies, you will find that it's hard to bluff adequately. I mean, you got to be turning sometimes like under pairs into bluffs or you have to be running crazy bluff with little equity king highs on the turn and stuff like that and then bluff them on the river. So given that, you should probably be overfolding in general against tight, straightforward players who just don't bet unless they have a decent hand on the flop and on the turn. When they get to the river, they probably have something pretty decent. They have something pretty decent. Well, they have no bluffs or way too few bluffs. And if they have way too few bluffs, overfold. And I would even say, don't tend to overfold, period. Just overfold against tight, straightforward players. When they bet the flop and the turn down the river, or bet the flop and the turn goes check, check, and then they blast the river. Fold, because they're not bluffing enough. Okay? Now, what about loose, wild players? Well, they are going to find extra bluffs. Some of them will. Creative, good, strong, loose, aggressive battlers, like Alex Foxen when I called him and he showed me the full house. I have no problem with that call with my pair. I would do it again. Um, and against those players, you need to tend to overcall, if anything, because they make money when their opponents fold far too often. You'll find that most good, strong, world-class players will find bluffs. I mean, myself included. I mean, if you watch a lot of these shorthanded and heads-up matches, if I get to the river with no showdown value, you can be pretty sure I'm going to go for it. And I'm probably over-bluffing in those spots, and I don't care. People overfold, in my opinion. They realize people don't bluff enough on the river, therefore I should overfold. They probably think John's a little too tight and straightforward, which is not true, but if they think that, that's fine and good. And I'm going to run bluffs. Not afraid. Hope they don't watch this video. Who makes these PowerPoints? I made it this morning, about five minutes before this show. Actually, here's my Monday morning schedule. I wake up at 6 a.m., take a shower, go make breakfast, deal with the children while I'm making breakfast. We eat, start eating breakfast at 6.45. We eat the breakfast. Breakfast is consumed by 7.05. Kids go, brush teeth, get dressed. Then children often play chess on the iPad or some other game. They've been playing Trouble a lot recently. They like Trouble. Um, okay, they're playing chess on the iPad. I'm usually hanging out with them. My son, James, is trying to get good. I try to talk through some of these difficult chess puzzles with him. Whatever. We do that until about 7.30. They have to be on the bus at 7.41. We walk them to the bus. On Mondays, though, Grandpa comes and watches the kids, so he walks them to the bus. Now, I have an hour and a half to get this PowerPoint together and whatever else I have to do today. I have a poker coaching webinar at 10. I had to get that together as well. 10's in 45 minutes. So I had to get that together. It's over here on the other screen. Um, 
I go through emails. I, I email my, I use my email like a to-do list. So I have a bunch of emails in the morning. This morning I had like 58 emails to get through of things that I sent to myself. I have 21 remaining. You can see that little number right up here. I'll get to that at some point. Um, so I got through a bunch of emails. So I made this PowerPoint, got through the emails, made sure poker coaching stuff's up and running, check my schedule, make sure I have nothing else to do for a little while. After I do the poker coaching webinar, I'm going to go to the gym. After the gym, I'm going to go to do an interview. After the interview, I forgot what I'm going to do. Let's see. Do I have anything else to do? I have to help my son with homework on Mondays, but grandpa's here, so grandpa's probably going to help the son with homework. So anyway, that's the day. I made this this morning. I'm glad you like it. I do have a template that um, makes it easy for me. And th this was an easy one, right? Three tips to hero call. I need to come up with three things. It's not that hard, right? First, what's important? What's a bluff catcher? Nail it. Number one, does the opponent bluff adequately? Obviously. This is step number one. Will they bluff adequately? If they won't, bold, period. We don't need any more of this review or these tips. We're done. Will the opponent not bluff adequately? Or if the opponent will bluff adequately or over bluff, then we continue. Number two, are there lots of potential bluffs? Should you bluff more against tight, straightforward opponents? It depends on uh, the scenario. If, if they're going to have a lot of marginal stuff you think they'll fold then sure bluffing tight straightforward opponents is really good when a lot of draws gets there it's really bad when draws don't get there okay are there a lot of potential bluffs available the best players in the world will strive to find bluffs say the flop comes ace seven two a lot of players are gonna have a hard time finding bluffs when they raise from under the gun right you raise under the gun ace seven two a lot of players even if they bet the flop with like pocket eights or queen jack and the turn's like a, I don't know, another two. They're just not going to bet in that spot very often because when the opponent check calls, they probably have a lot of pairs, right? Good players, though, will find some bluffs. They're going to be bluffing with like jack 10 and pocket threes and stuff like that. They're going to be applying a lot of aggression. Weaker players will not. Most players, besides the best players in the world, most players, here, just not even most other, most players, period, will not find bluffs that are difficult to find. So when there are no busted draws, or very few busted draws in your opponent's range that make logical sense, you should tend to overfold. However, when there are lots of busted draws that your opponent could possibly have, you should tend to overcall, just in general. Again, this presumes your opponent's capable of bluffing, right? If they're not capable of bluffing, if they're not gonna bluff anywhere near often enough, this slide doesn't even matter. But if they will bluff reasonably because they are good opponents, loose, aggressive, battling players, Against these players, you want to overcall when there are lots of busted draws because they will have lots of hands that get to the river that lack showdown value when the draws miss. That's important. When the draws miss. When all the draws get there, well, all the draws get there, and they might even value bet stuff like two pair, or even top pair, who knows? And that's going to result in them having lots of good value hands. But when all the draws miss, that is a really, 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 really good time to call. You recently fell back in love with poker. My content helped you. Good, I'm glad to hear it. Every time you triple barrel, it's the nuts. Well, that's a problem, unless they always call you. Hello, Enrique, good morning. Maripeka, good morning. Good morning to everyone. Hope you're all having a good morning. If you're having a good morning, click the like and subscribe button below. I'll say it again. If you read my recent book, 100 Essential Tips to Master No Limit Hold'em, or any of my other books, head over to Amazon, give it a review. It'll take you one minute or less, and it will help me out a lot. So, are there lots of potential bluffs? Most of the time, potential bluffs are busted draws. If there are a lot of busted draws on the river, you should be very, 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 very inclined to hero call. Tip number three. This is an important one. Louis Philippe's trying to spoil it in the chat. Louis Philippe runs our poker coaching study sessions, by the way. He'll be doing that today at 11 a.m., I think. 
Do you unblock the potential bluffs? This is vitally important. The best bluff catchers unblock your opponent's bluffs. So what does that mean? Essentially, if lots of straight and flush draws miss on the river, you do not want to have cards in your hand that block the straight and flush draws because you want your opponent to have those, right? Say the flop comes 9-8-3. Let's say it goes check, check on the flop. Let's say you have pocket fours or ace three or something like that. 9-8-3. Check, check. Turn is um some blank. Say a two. Your opponent bets, you call. Fine. Say the river is... Another two. They bet again. In this spot, you really do not want to have a jack, a 10, a 7, or a 6 on 9-8-3 because you want your opponent to have jack 10 or 7-6 or something like that, right? So if you have a hand like, well, in terms of bluff catchers you'd rather call with on 9-8-3, 2-2, you'd much rather have a hand like ace-3 than pocket sevens. Because pocket sevens blocks their 10-7, jack-7, 7-6, 7-5. They would logically bluff, right? Uh, so yeah, the next question becomes, would you rather have pocket tens or ace-3 on 9-8-3-2-2? Take a second, think about it. Would you rather have pocket tens or ace-3? Given you would rather have pocket ace-3 than pocket sevens. Take a second, think about it. Louis Philippe's study sessions are gold. Yeah, they're right there in a Discord for all of you. Can you pay for poker coaching premium monthly? I'm pretty sure you can. Go to pokercoaching.com. Click sign up. Some, some options will come up. If you have any questions, always email support at pokercoaching.com. Silent Caster. I'm always happy to sign any books. If you ever see me and you have my book on you, ask me to sign it. it happens every time I go to Vegas. People have me sign their books. I love it. So would you rather have pocket tens or ace three on... Nine, eight, three, two, two. When the opponent, when it goes check, check, flop, opponent bets, turn, opponent bets, river. Because tens blocks the draws. But, 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 bluff catchers beat all bluffs and lose to all value hands. Will the opponent value bet ace nine or king nine or queen nine or jack nine? on 98322 when it goes check check on the flop. Bluff catchers do not lose to some bluffs and bluff catchers do not beat some value hands. In this spot our bluff catcher beats some value hands. So in this spot even though we block bluffs, you would much rather have pocket tens compared to pocket sevens. Pocket sevens does not beat value bets cuz they're not going to value bet pocket sixes, right? So in that scenario, ace three and pocket sevens have roughly the same value, but pocket sevens has really bad blocker. But uh, what's the right word? Blocker value? Brain's broken. Um, so you don't want pocket sevens, you want ace three. And to be fair, maybe pocket sevens and ace three are both calls in this spot because there's lots of busted draws. But in this scenario, you'd, yeah, blocker qualities, I guess that's the word I'm trying to go for. It's not exactly what I was thinking, but yeah. It's funny when you like know the word I'm thinking of, but I can't think of the word. It's not qualities, but qualities does make a whole lot of sense. Um, so yeah, you you definitely want to have tens compared to ace three because ace three does not beat their top pair value bets. 
whereas pocket tens does beat their top fair value bets. So see how this is a little bit tricky, right? You have these conflicting things in your head because you want to unblock their bluffs, but at the same time, sometimes your hand just beats some value bets. If your hand beats some value bets, you should usually err towards calling in almost all scenarios. Blocker properties? I think properties is what I was going for. Properties is closer to quality. Yeah, I think properties is right. So, if Lawson straight and flush draws miss, you do not want to have cards in your hand that block the straight or flush draw. For this reason, like ace-high flush draw is usually a pretty bad hand to call down with. Because the ace-high flush draw blocks some of their logical bluffs. Right? Um, if you have the best straight draw, say so you have ace-king on jack-10-2. Jack 10, 2, 2, 3. Your opponent bets the turn and bets the river, or somehow they bet into you. Let's say you just call in position. They bet flop, they bet turn, they bet river. Not a particularly good bluff catching hand because you then block their ace queen and king queen and king nine bluffs on Jack 10, 3. You'd much rather have pocket twos there to call. Now, to be fair, maybe ace king blocks some of their value too. Maybe you block their aces and their kings and their ace jack and king jack value. So you see that like sometimes blockers interact both with their bluffing range and their value betting range. And it's tough to weigh all these things. That said, in general, you want to be sure your opponent's number one, capable of bluffing, and they have lots of potential bluffs, and you don't block them. That, that's very important. If you just like super block all the bluffs, then it's very hard for them to be bluffing in general. Sometimes that happens where you have a pocket pair in your hand that blocks lots of straight draws, like pocket sevens on nine, eight, three. You don't really want pocket sevens on nine, eight, three, two, two um, to call down with compared to like ace three or even, even ace high. You'd rather have like ace king high than pocket sevens on nine, eight, three, 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 I'm sure. So this makes small pairs, unless they interact with the straight draws, and ace high, excellent bluff catchers in a lot of scenarios, when there are lots of busted straight and flush draws, because your opponent's very often not going to be bluffing on busted straight draw boards with ace high, right? They're going to be bluffing with like, whatever, jack high, 10 high, queen high, whatever it is. And on flush draw boards, if your opponent has the ace high flush draw that misses, they're usually not going to bluff with that, right? They're usually going to bluff with the weaker flush draws. So this very often makes ace high and small pairs good bluff catchers. Position also affects your decision. Yeah, I mean, look, there's lots of things that affect your decision. I was only allowed to do three tips today because that's what the YouTube overlords say is good for the algorithm. Apparently, they think you all can't keep more than three things in your head at once. I disagree, but that's what they think. So these are by far the three most important points. We're going to go through some few examples. First, remember, keep this in mind. Does the opponent bluff adequately? Are there lots of potential bluffs available? And do you unblock the potential bluffs? Blocking is flush or straight draw should reduce your hero calling. Yes, it should by a lot because when you block their straight or flush draws, when you have one of the cards in your hand that makes it less likely they have a straight or flush draw, that in turn makes it more likely that they have a value hand. And if they're more likely to have a value hand, go back, go back to this concept. If they're more likely to have a value hand for whatever reason, because they're tight, straightforward players or they just don't have bluffs in the range for some reason because you block it, that should make you tend to overfold. All right, let's go through some examples. Queen nine, we raise it up. It's a little bit too loose, whatever. Big blind calls, king nine seven, check. We bet small, we could also check, whatever. They call, turns the eight of spades, they check. 
great spot to check behind with our very clear marginal made hand. The eights are really bad for our range in general, I think. They're going to have lots of two pairs, straights, whatever. Check, check. Rivers of two of spades. They bet. And they bet kind of big. Someone earlier in the chat, I, I forgot to mention it, mentioned, should the bet size the opponent uses impact your decision? And it absolutely should. The problem is, though, is that you don't know how a lot of players are going to play. Typically, as players bet bigger and bigger, they're more and more polarized. I mean, they either have a value bet or a very clear, well, very clear, strong made hand or a bluff. Um, but that's not always true. For example, if you watch my final table heads up against Alex Foxen, you can find it on YouTube. If you go to poker, uh, search poker go on YouTube. Not right now. Whenever we're done here, search poker go on YouTube and find the the one that I get heads up with Alex Foxen in one of the ten Ks. I was using a lot of small river bluffs. I actually love small river bluffs because they're cheap. They don't need to work very often. And a lot of players, especially good players who pride themselves in hand reading, think, okay, he's obviously trying to get value. Then they'll fold. It's actually my favorite bluff. <laughs> don't tell anyone this is a secret. So the bet size doesn't necessarily indicate much. Funny enough, I actually noticed that on all my final tables, I really did not run any giant bluffs, like with giant bet sizes. And so uh, you can be pretty sure I'm going to be running those big bluffs because I bet the studious opponents, who I know watch every final table, they think, all right, John just doesn't run big bluffs for all the money. So we're going to overfold to his big all-ins. I'm going to show them. Actually, hopefully I don't have to show them. Hopefully I just get all the bluffs through. If I have to show them, it's going to be trouble. Oh my God, on the bubble of one of the 10Ks, I had a 5-4. Byron, Byron Caverman, good, strong player, had a big chip lead on the bubble. Uh, this was in one, another one of the 10Ks. He raised from like low jack seat. I called big blind with 5-4 of clubs. Flop comes jack, 7-3. One club. He checked. I'm sorry, I checked. He bet. I check raised small. He called. Great. Turn was another three. I would check raise some bottom pairs here. I would check raise some jacks. Turn was, okay, turn was a three. I bet. Medium. He called. River was a king. Which, you know, doesn't really interact with my top pairs, but if I have threes, I'm still going to blast it. If I had seven threes suited, I'm going to blast it. Any, when I bet jack seven, no. Anyway, I ripped it in, minus one big blind. He snapped me off with ace jack. Not a hand I'm trying to get him to fold. He's never folding ace jack there. And I bluffed it all off on the bubble. Would I do it again? If they think I don't make big bluffs, I would. <laughs> the problem is, is that Byron knows I can do it. <laughs> he gobbled that right up with that ace jack on the river. He's like, yep, call. What you gonna do? <laughs> uh, you ever feel like you're getting bluffed, but it makes no sense to realistically call? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, yeah, you get vibes that they're bluffing all the time, and it's important to realize your vibes don't necessarily matter that much. I actually talked about this in one of the final tables, um, where... A lot of what you feel is irrelevant. People get feelings all the time. I think my opponent has it. I think they don't have it. I think I should call. I think I should fold. In that spot where Byron had the ace jack, I bet in his mind, he's probably thinking, well, he's probably just going to show me the nuts. But ace jack's just a call. He recognizes. He doesn't know what I'm doing, probably. I, I, can, I can guarantee he doesn't think I'm just going to check raise flop and triple it off on the bubble with a nice medium stack because I don't do that very often, right? And hand's too good. He's got a call. What you going to do? In that spot, if he had the feeling that I probably just had it, 
he's still gonna call because he recognizes his feelings don't matter that much. They matter some, but not when you have the ace jack. So call it off, right? And yeah, that's that. Anyway, most people when they bet small are going for value in general because they're trying to get called. Most people when they bet big either have a very good hand or a bluff. Most people, in my opinion, do not put enough bluffs in their small in their small bet size because they think they're going to get called. Now, the problem with this is that if your opponents are good and studied, they will have at least some bluffs in both ranges, right? I will say a lot of players mess up and they have like way too many bluffs in one of the two ranges. Um, some people have too many bluffs in all the ranges in specific spots, like in this spot. Maybe they have too many bluffs, maybe they don't. But... This is, in a lot of scenarios, you have to figure out, will your opponent use small bets for almost entirely value or just like adequately? Or will your opponents um, not, right? Will they be using the big big bet size as bluffs? And if you can figure that out, like they bet small with value and they bet big polarized but with too many bluffs, then you can just call the big bets and, and crush them. But uh, very often you won't know that about your particular opponent, especially if you don't play with them very often. Doyle says, bad bluff catcher here. All right, should we bluff catch this river? Let's recap this hand. In this hand, we raise. We continuation bet small on the flop. Opponent calls. Turns an eight. Check, check. River, two of spades. They bet big. I think this is a pretty reasonable fold. In this spot, we don't... We, we do block queen, jack, and queen, ten bluffs, but would they float queen, jack, and queen, ten on the flop? Yes, they would. So notice in this spot, we do block queen, jack, and queen, 10, which is not good. We don't want to have a queen in our hand to call, therefore, right? So on the flop, would they check, call, our small bet with queen, jack, and queen, 10? Absolutely. Okay. They would check it on the turn. They may lead, but they probably check it on the turn. Then on the river, they would bluff it. So in this spot, I really, really, really don't want to have a queen in my hand. Do I have a queen in my hand? Yes, that's bad. Now, the queen does block their backdoor flushes, which may confuse some people because now we block some of their value hands, right? So here, the queen of spades blocks some bluffs, but it also blocks some value hands. The thing is, though, is they're not going to check call the flop with every queen x of spades. Like, they're not going to check call with queen three of spades on the flop or queen four of spades, right? Even for a small bet. So this queen of spades blocker is not quite as relevant for their nuts, for their flushes, I mean, as it may naturally appear. So this is a spot where the spade doesn't matter all that much, but the queen matters a lot. We do not want to have the queen. Okay. Do we beat any value hands for this size? Now, if the opponent went small here, I would call. If they went like 2,000 or 3,000, I would call every time because when they go small, they'll be value betting some hands worse than queen nine. Jack nine, 10, nine. King, king eight back door or queen queen eight back door draw stuff like that so the question becomes will they value bet jack nine or ten nine for this size and i think most people will not be using roughly pot size bet with worse hands so this is a bluff catcher and we have a card in our hand that we really don't want to have when it comes to bluff catching so i think this is actually a spot to fold do we fold we do this ace of spades, nine of clubs call. Well, I'd be way more inclined to call with ace nine. And I'd be way more inclined to call with ace eight. Say I had ace eight here, right? A weaker hand. Notice in this spot, if we have an eight or a nine, it doesn't really matter because I don't think they're value betting a nine. Now, I will say some people will surprise you and show up with the jack nine here and then that's just annoying, right? 
But yeah, ace nine, ace of spades nine should be way more inclined to call with queen nine because ace, the ace doesn't block any of their bluffs, right? Remember, the main, the main thing here, remember, go back to our point. Do you unblock the potential bluffs? What are the logical bluffs here? In my mind, some of the most logical bluffs for them are queen 10 and queen jack. Notice queen 10 and queen jack also blocks my king queen and king jack, which are hands I would bet the flop with, check, check, turn, and then just happily call river. So they're going to bluff with queen jack and queen 10 every time if they're anywhere near decent, I think. So therefore, I don't want to have this queen. Notice the jack and the 10 are interesting because they block the jack 10 nuts, but they also block some bluffs. But the queen is the one that does not block the value hands at all, right? So because this does not block the value hands much at all, that's going to make me very inclined to fold this hand. Like I'd be way more inclined to call jack 10, by the, I'm a queen 10, by the way. Gosh, what am I saying? Not queen 10. Ignore what I'm saying. I would be way more inclined to call with 10-9 than queen 9 here. There we go. I found what I'm trying to say. Sometimes my brain gets scattered. What about 10-8? What about his 10-8? Why would he want to bluff the 10-8 on the river? He doesn't need to bluff 10-8 on the river. What's he trying to get me to fold? He's trying to get me to fold when he's bluffing on the river a middle pair, right? You don't want to, in this spot, his 10-8 can easily check in and then call because I have a lot of busted draws and ace highs that may feel inclined to bluff. So I think 10-8 would be a very bad value bet and or bluff on the river from him. What's your pre-flop raise and VPIP? Depends on how many players are at the table. Depends on who the players are. Depends on payout implications. Depends on stack depth. I have a poker coaching app. You can get it on your phone. Search poker coaching in the app stores. It's also on pokercoaching.com, my website, that has all good, strong GTO pre-flop charts. Check out those. There's also a quiz feature so you can quiz yourself to get good at it yourself. Anyway, this is just a fold. This may look like a good hand. This may even look like a good bluff catching spot because we have the spade and we have the middle pair. But it's just a fold against most people, especially if they're a little too tight. Next hand, a seven of spades. We raise it up. Big blind calls. Nine, eight, two. Check, check. We could bet. We could check. Whatever. Say we had ace seven of diamonds. Probably just check it as well. The only reason I would bet this is because I have the spade and some backdoor draws. Turns to two. They bet. Nasty spot. Already right here, though, I'm thinking, does the opponent have a lot of twos? They'll have more twos in this spot compared to if I was under the gun. Notice if you raise under the gun and they call big blind, they're going to have way fewer twos because they're not going to defend all suited. I mean, they might defend all suited twos, but they're certainly not going to defend some of the weaker ones. Um, whereas when you raise the button, they might. So they could have twos. They could also just have a nine or an eight. They would value that. That said, am I going to realize 25% equity in position with the ace seven of spades? If it goes check, check on the river, I win basically every time. So, well, not basically every time. I, I win a lot of the time. So I think this is probably fine to call. This is the spot where I think a lot of people overfold. There are lots of draws available on the turn. I'm, I'm already kind of trying to bluff catch. River's a brick three. They bet 8K on the river. It's nice to see people up and at them. All of you here are up and at them with me. I appreciate all of you. If you appreciate yourself and you appreciate me, click the like and subscribe button down below. Click the notification bell. Tell your friends feel like a ghost. You're alive and doing well. You're doing it. We are doing things. I know you, a lot of people think we're living in a simulation. I guess this robot wakes up and deals with children and then does the simulation thing every day. Hello. Good morning. I'm Jonathan Little. I'm not a robot. I just did an interview on the Table One podcast. My good friend Justin Young is in charge of Table One, along with Art. Um, after this, if you want to watch something fun, 
assuming you're not going to my poker coaching webinar, search table one podcast, Jonathan Little. It'll come right up. It's a great one hour or so interview. It's a ton of fun. I drank wine out of my trophy over there. It's a great time. It was like 9 a.m. I seen the cracking open beers. I don't know what time was it. It was like noon here, which means 9 a.m. in Vegas. They're cracking open beers, having a party. I'm like, well, I guess I, guess I got to have some wine at 9 a.m. or at noon over here. Okay, this is just an easy call. This is a trivially easy call. I might call King High here. A7 is uh, perhaps even too good. Now, I would rather not have the seven in my hand, right? So it's so, okay. Look, in this spot, what do I want to not have in my hand? Go ahead and go through, go through this process. What do I not want to have? I don't want to have a queen, a jack, a 10, a seven, a six, a five, or a heart. Okay? That's a lot of cards. That's a whole lot of cards. Because all of those cards either have a straight or a flush draw. Blocker, right? That said, if you consider the range I'm going to have, I'm almost always going to have a queen, a jack, a 10, a seven, a six, a five, or a heart, right? I'm, just, I'm probably going to have one of those, right? So in this spot, yeah, we'd rather not have the seven of spades, but at the same time, <laughs> they could have a whole lot of junk. <laughs> oh, you love me. That's very nice. Thank you very much. All right, I hope you're having a great day. This is just a trivially easy call here. I'm not, I, I mean, I'm going to call on the spot literally every time with king high and better. So, I mean, you want to know how some people can find like super hero calls with King High. Like say I had King four suited and I decided to not bet the flop for whatever reason. I would just call here. Easy, easy call. Because we don't block any of the busted draws at all. Queen 10, easy. Congrats on your recent win. Well, thank you very much. It's good to win. I won twice. Would you believe there were eight tournaments? I only entered 10 times total and I had four caches and two wins. What a run. And I won the StormX tournament in December. I actually busted on the first hand in the StormX tournament. Do you believe? Poker's so crazy, right? You can literally bust on the first hand, re-enter, and then not bust again. <laughs> it's kind of nuts. All right, so anyway, this is an easy call. So why was this an easy call? Just to reiterate, this is an easy call because we check-check the flop, so my hand already looks kind of marginal. Opponent bets turn, lots of draws available. They could be bluffing all sorts of stuff. Easy call. River's just a total blank. Easy call. Now, if the river was instead a heart, I'd be way more inclined to fold. If the river was a queen, a jack, or a 10, I'd be way more inclined to fold. If the river is a seven, I block some of their strong hands, so I'm probably just going to call. If the river is a six, I'm probably going to call on a six and a five as well. Because on a six or a five, I don't block the hearts and I don't block, in my mind, the most logical hands to bluff the turn, which would be queen, jack, queen, ten, jack, ten. So that's usually how I'm thinking about this spot. If there was a four, three, or two, I'm always going to call. If there was a king, I'm going to call as well. If it's an ace, obviously, I'm going to call. So yeah, I, I'm not going to call on most hearts and queen, jack, or ten. Every other card I'm going to call on the river. And notice, I'm thinking about this ahead of time, Right? Uh, when you are playing a tournament with a shot clock, like in the Poker Go Studio, they give you 30 seconds plus some time banks. I'm using my opponent's time to think. I mean, same thing when you're playing chess, right? With a chess clock. If your opponent's sitting there thinking forever, think ahead about what they're probably going to do and prepare yourself, right? And like right here, I can already tell you, I mean, I literally just told you, it took, took me what, 15 seconds to rattle off what I'm going to do on all rivers, right? It's not that hard. Now, the opponent could throw a wrench into things by betting tiny or betting huge or whatever. But assuming they do something normal like this, 
That's what I'm going to do. Go call. Easy. All right. One more hand for today. Then I got to go do my poker coaching webinar. Pocket fives. We raise it up. Good lag calls. Good lag I'm calling. I can already tell you. Hero call down. Ace, nine, two. Check. We bet small. Um, This is fine. I think you probably want to be betting fives, fours, and threes like every time here. You should be less inclined to bet stuff like pocket tens or pocket eights, I think. But fives has some backdoor draw potential. They call. Turns to ten. Yuck. Check, check. This might actually be a spot in GTO world to bluff. I don't think so, but maybe. These small pairs are tricky because sometimes small pairs bluff kind of randomly because they have two pretty clean outs to the nuts. Notice here, any five that could come does not complete the flush and gives me a super strong hand. And we could conceivably get some worse pair, uh, some better pairs to fold, like pocket sevens. And if he does have a two, it has five outs, and I don't really care if he folds. And I'm not going to be able to call on a lot of rivers here. Anyway, river, half, how much is this? Half pot from the opponent. River 10 of spades. Notice all the draws break. <clears throat> what is my GG handle? I don't even know. I have it on some document over there. I don't even play on GG. I play on GG like never. Only when I go out of the country. Only a little. Does the villain's raise size matter? Yes, we already discussed that. How much aggression would you call off? All of it. Which platform has the most viewers? I have no idea. You can find that out yourselves. So is this a call or a fold? How do you sign up for the webinar? Go to pokercoaching.com. Become a member. I'm doing a webinar discussing a homework question. I don't remember what it is. I'll have to pull it up. Starting in 14 minutes. So I gotta go. Gotta go, 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 go. Okay. Is this a call or a fold? I think this, even though there are not a lot of bluffs available, is a trivially easy call. Why is this a trivially easy call? Okay. Uh, which hands are going to check call the flop for my small bet? Will he check call flop? Queen jack. Jack eight. Jack seven. Suited. Probably if he's good. Remember, on the flop, I bet tiny. I do think a lot of players who are loose and battly will call off this third pot bet with all sorts of cards that wrap around the nine with a backdoor flush draw. I also think he'll call the cards that wrap around the two. So 5-4, four, 4-3, four, and 5-3 suited. Maybe even offsuit. Now, I have pocket fives. That's bad. I'd much rather have pocket sixes here. Let's make that crystal clear. I'd much rather have pocket sixes. All right? But I don't have sixes. I have fives. You, can't, you don't get to pick your cards. So sixes would be a really easy call. Fives is less of an easy call because fives blocks 5-4 five, and 5-3. Okay? So keep that in mind. Um... Does it matter if we have a diamond in our hand? Uh, yeah, it does a little bit. But at the same time, again, I, I don't really get to choose here because I'm either going to have a diamond, a club, or a heart in my hand, no matter what, when I pocket fives, right? So I'd rather have fives with the five of spades in my hand to call with fives than not the five of spades, right? So I'd rather have this hand than five of diamonds, five of hearts, for example, because when I have five of diamonds, five of hearts, he is going to have a few fewer combinations of ace, uh, like king x of hearts that would check call flop. Because like king x, backdoor flush draw is probably going to check call the small bet. So this is probably the one of the better fives to have in my hand. Pocket, better, better combinations of pocket fives, right? So will the opponent check call king, queen, king, jack, queen, jack, probably queen, jack for sure. King, jack, queen, jack, probably, maybe. 
Um, so I don't know. Look, I think in general, this is a pretty reasonable hand to call. Like I said, I'd much rather have pocket sixes. I think pocket sixes is way better than pocket fives. Ooh, getting excited and clicking all around my screen. Whenever I get excited, I click around my screen. Click, 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 click. Um, making a half pot bet, a little bit less than half pot. Some people read this as strong. I read this as good lag, going to be bluffing adequately. He's going to use some big bets, some small bets. This is a spot, though, where the opponent has to be a little bit careful. Why do they have to be a little bit careful? Why do they have to be a little bit careful? Because I would bet the flop with all sorts of jack 10, queen 10, king 10, 10, 8. Right? And I would always check them on the turn. So I'm going to be sitting here with some nuts. I mean, nuts being a 10, right? I'm going to be sitting in the spot with a 10. So I think in general, most good players are not going to have too many huge bets in the spot because I'm going to have some 10s in the spot, like a decent amount of 10s. It makes a whole lot of sense for me to have a 10. So I think you're going to find that a lot of players, if anything, they're going to skew their big bet size to be value heavy just to try to get full value from an ace when I have it. And they're going to be skewing their small bet size bluff heavy just trying to get me off of hands that are worse than a nine or perhaps even worse than an ace if they think I'm a net. I'm never folding a nine here, by the way, because the nine blocks some of their super value hands, like pocket nines and 10-9, right? So I think this is a call. For example, if you slotted me in this spot against Alex Fox, and again, you know, I, I hear a call him the other day when I won the trophy and I was wrong. Um, I, I'm just going to call here every time. This is a trivially easy call in my brain. Easy call, no trouble. Four three of spades for an optimistic one. To be fair, probably should check call the flop. Check call flop, check fold turn if I bet. Get to the river four high, go for the bluff. Sure. Like I said, I'd, I mean, if he has five four, he could have five three and five four. So I'd much rather have pocket sixes, like I mentioned. But again, beggars can't be choosers here. So is that PC to say? That might not be politically correct to say. I'm sorry if that's out of line. It's funny how you learn all these sayings and half of them are not, not in line anymore. I'm not trying to offend anybody. Definitely never trying to offend anyone. I love you all and I appreciate you all. So yeah, this is probably a call. It's unfortunate, but it's probably a call. So again, three tips to make the perfect hero call. Does the opponent bluff adequately? Good lag. Probably bluffs adequately. Are there a lot of potential bluffs? Eh. If the opponent overfolds the flop or folds just kind of a lot on the flop, if they fold out queen jack of diamonds, Jack seven of diamonds, king four of diamonds. If they fold those hands on the flop, then maybe there aren't a lot of potential draws. Maybe the only draws that make sense in this spot would then be five, four, five, three, and four, three. If that's the case, then, well, this is a fold. Someone's asking how to join the webinar. I guess I need to show you, let's see. Let me pull up poker coaching on the other screen. Um, okay, so do they have a lot of potential draws? I think this guy's gonna have those plus lots of the middle cards that wrap around the nine. I realize some of them got there, but the fact it went 10-10 is really good. If this went on the river 10, or turn in river 10 jack, 10 queen, 10-7, 10-8, if it went that on the river, then I would just fold because then all those cards make some sort of pair. Now, the opponent may not value that a pair, but at the same time, who knows? How do you get in the webinar? Okay, here's pokercoaching.com. Oh my gosh, this is so big. Let's see. Mine is so big. Okay, scroll down to right here, live events. We have this live event right here, poker coaching webinar, click this. This will take you to a registration button. Okay? Right here, literally right here. Make sure, by the way, you get in the tournament masterclass or the cash game masterclass if you're into that. 
you want to watch me coaching Slick Rick, who's been absolutely on a tear. Guys, I'm like 100K since I started coaching him a few months ago. Check out those that series with the advanced cash game course, with the advanced tournament course. Get in these things. They're good. It's there for you. 100 essential tips just arrived. I'm glad you enjoy it. Or I hope you enjoy it, John. So are there potential bluffs? Maybe there are, maybe there aren't, depending on your opponent's tendencies. Next, you unblock the potential bluffs. Here, the answer is kinda. We kind of block the, unblock the potential bluffs, but like I said, the 5-4 and the 5-3 are troublesome because those are some hands that would like definitely bluff the river, right? And we block those, but again, loose aggressive player, that's gonna make me inclined to over call, if anything. But really, this hand hinges around the fact, or the idea, like does the opponent check call backdoor draws on the flop? Or like king high. If they're gonna check call king high and backdoor draws on the flop and get to the river here, then you gotta call. If they're not, then you gotta fold. And you see, that's what makes these scenarios tricky, right? Fun game. That's me for today. I hope you enjoyed today's video. If you did, click the like and subscribe button down below. If you got my new book, 100 Essential Tips to Master No Limit Hold'em, do me a favor, go leave a review on Amazon. If you've not gotten the book yet, go get it. It's one of the most popular poker books on Amazon right now. It's a great book. It's a book that you can sit down and read in like minutes at a time. Whenever I read books nowadays, I don't have like an hour to sit down and read books. I have like five minutes. And so I appreciate books that are written in short, consumable, implementable chapters. And that's exactly what this is. This The longest chapter in this book may be like four pages. It's, it's, I made this to where you could literally sit down on the toilet and read it and be done with it and learn something. I think it's a really good book. I did find one typo in it. I apologize for the one typo. There's probably actually two or three typos. I'll tell you the typo. It's uh, There's a spot where I, I write the wrong percentages. I say you should uh, call 25% fold 75, which like obviously isn't right in most spots. It's actually call 48, fold 52. My bad. Can't be perfect all the time. 100 essential tips to master no limit hold'em. Everyone asks me like, are you gonna make another book? When's the next book coming out? I have no books in the works, no books planned. I might not write another book for the rest of my life. I have a math book that's in the works. But <laughs> this is the new one. I'm not writing another one anytime soon. 100 Essential Tips to Master No Limit Hold'em. I hope you enjoy it. Good luck in your games. Have fun. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Thank you so much for being here. You all brighten my day. You, you get me excited to get to work. I think a lot of people um, dread work, work, quote unquote work. But this is fun for me and it adds value and it hopefully it helps all of you. And that, that motivates me a lot. So thanks to all of you for being here. I appreciate all of you. Good luck in your games. When you make your hero calls, make sure they can bluff adequately. There are lots of potential bluffs and you don't you unblock the bluffs. Have a great week. See you next time.